Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm John McComb, radio host and podcaster, along with my co-host, Lori Pinkowski. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios over the past two decades. We're here every two weeks to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies, health matters, and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dream, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And on today's show, you know, we all grew up knowing there were certain topics of conversation that you should avoid at all costs. Money, faith, and politics. But in marriage, there is no way of avoiding uh, some of those topics. In fact, they're almost necessary to have a long-term and healthy relationship. Getting on the same page as your spouse is important, but you can only do that if you have clear, open communication about your goals and values, especially when it comes to your finances. And Lori, today on Ready, Set, Retire, we're going to be talking about some of the conversations you should be having with your partner when it comes to your finances and how your financial advisor may be able to help. Exactly. I often say to couples when I initially meet with them, and and even ongoing conversations, what is your relationship with money? Because often people have personal beliefs around money because of their upbringing, their parents' attitude towards money, and really what people value. And even after spending years together, your attitude towards money may be different than your spouse's and things may change along the way. So it's important to have that open communication and be talking about your fears, your values and your thoughts around money and and how you're going to have it managed. So why is it so important to have these conversations? If you don't have them, let's, let's start there. If you don't have these conversations, then what happens? I think in the short term, a lack of communication around money can really lead to arguments and and stressful situations, poor cash flow, because there's not a lot of planning going into your finances. And therefore, you may be turning up short. You may feel that one person's spending too much. Who knows what the situation is? Every family is unique. And that's why it's so important as a portfolio manager, a financial advisor, that I get to know people and their families. And in the long term, it can really lead to unachieved goals. If you lack the communication about talking about money as a couple, you may not be retiring when you thought you would, or you not you may not be able to do what you want to do in retirement because you just didn't have a plan because you weren't talking about it. And it's, I think it's especially true when you're going through periods of, uh, or the markets are going through periods of volatility. Because when the pressure is on, when the stress is on, and the markets are riding a roller coaster, that can add uh, just a lot more stress to the relationship if you aren't having those necessary conversations. Well, exactly. You don't want to wait until there's a market crash to be discussing how conservative you wanted to be in your portfolio with your spouse or with your financial advisor, I, I would add. You know, These are conversations you definitely want to be having when things are calm, when things are normal, right? And that there is some sort of action plan or that you've positioned your portfolio in a way that you're comfortable with those market fluctuations. And so, and the other thing I'll say is that there are a lot of couples that I see that actually choose to have their assets managed separately or they keep separate bank accounts. And 
And it may even be first marriages. I, you know, early on, I often thought that would only happen in a second marriage, but it's not the case. Some people have decided that to keep the peace, it may make sense to keep separate accounts. And with that being said, that can sometimes make things easier on, on a couple, I think. And so when they're looking at, you know, how much does one spend or doesn't spend or whatever the case may be, if they have their own separate accounts, that might help them in the long term. So what kinds of questions should people be discussing with their partners when it comes to finances? I think it's basically you got to put everything on the table and talk about all of it. Definitely you do. And I think one of the major topics for discussion should be how comfortable are each of us with risk? And so in this kind of term, I'm talking about when you're looking at the part of your portfolio that's invested, whether that be in real estate or whether that be in the stock market. And I think you need to have that open talk about it. And some of those questions could be, you know, what keeps me up at night when I think about money? Was I stressed during the previous market crash or correction? And, and you know, were you able to sleep at night is often the sentence I use or the question I use. Would I feel upset if my portfolio went down in value? And it's not uncommon at all for two spouses to have completely different views on risk. And as a financial advisor uh, or even your portfolio manager, you need to be able to decipher what people are saying, hear what they're saying, and structure their portfolios accordingly. And so some people out there don't bat an eye when markets fluctuate. You know, they, there's people out there that look at a market crash or a market correction and go, you know, I wish I had more money to invest at this time, right? And those people ultimately will likely do better in the long term. But other people feel very anxious when markets are down and you really can't sleep at night. And so as a professional money manager, I need to look at those two types of, as I call, investor personalities and understand their relationship with money and ensure that their portfolios are are managed accordingly. That only happens with communication. So often I'm bringing those topics up with couples because I know, John, that they're not sitting at the dinner table discussing risk tolerance in their portfolios. <laughs> <laughs> they're not? No. What's I'm, wrong with I them? I do with my husband, but I don't think everybody does. <laughs> I'd like to be in on some of those conversations. What happens, though, in a situation which, at least for my generation, was is very, very common, and that's that one spouse or the other looks after the finances in our family, I do all the money stuff, and Kristen, in a lot of cases, doesn't want to know. So how do you have those discussions so that the other person feels involved in some way? What's important in that situation, because we do see that often, I think that in a marriage, people need to divide and conquer, right? Uh, you know, Kristen's busy doing other things while you're dealing with me and the money, right. you know, but it was always important that I, I get to know Kristen, right? So that if anything ever happens to you, things are able to move along smoothly. And so I am prepared for those types of conversations, even in a portfolio review, that there may be one spouse that doesn't follow the portfolios, doesn't follow the markets, uh, possibly at all. And so again, I know how to communicate what's happening in their portfolios in a way that the spouse that may not be following things can better understand. And so I think that's the first thing. You want to make sure that your financial advisor and that spouse are comfortable with each other. And I think that's really important as well. So yes, it's okay for one spouse to be more focused on the portfolios or your investments and that sort of thing. But you definitely want to make sure that your spouse is comfortable with the financial advisor and they feel 
comfortable to be able to ask any questions that they may have, right? And I think that's important. And then also, I often bring up topics that the couple may not be discussing at the dinner table. So again, that is sometimes the first time the spouses are hearing how they feel about something because they've never had the conversation before until I bring it up. And because I've been doing this for 20 years and dealing with retirees, I often know the topics that are not being discussed at home. So there I am. (laughs) And that leads us splendidly into our next part of the conversation. But let me just say that I think it's amazing that you're able to accommodate different uh, risk tolerances when it comes to investing people's money. One thing that may require compromise is choosing how to spend that money. That can be an emotional minefield. (laughs) He said from experience, how would you recommend talking about money when it comes to spending it? Yeah, spending is an interesting one, right? Uh, (laughs) Yes, it is. uh, I think that often you'll see one person is more frugal than the other, and the other is more comfortable with spending. I often see that. And so that conversation is, is, okay, let's look at the cash flow. Let's do the financial plan. Let's see how much money you do have to spend. And you may have enough to accommodate the heavier spender, let's say. And there may be things that make sense. People may want to spend more early on in retirement because they're traveling and they have that interest. And so we often factor that into a financial plan. Also, just leading up to retirement and looking at spending, we want to make sure that we have that plan. How much are you going to need to retire? And once we put that on paper, then people understand how much they need to save to achieve that goal or how much they're going to be spending. I think that you need to take a look at what your interests are, the cost of those interests, and really have that conversation. But I don't think always that we're dealing with people who spend too much. I'm often dealing with people who don't spend enough, John. Yeah. When you don't spend enough, there's only two ways you can look at it because you can't take it with you. You either have to spend it or you have to give it away. And the two spouses need to be in agreement of what the end goal is as well. So whether you want to give a bunch of money to your children or ensure your grandchildren are able to afford education or break into the Vancouver real estate market, those types of ideas are also important. So not just spending today, but how are you going to pass on your legacy in the future is also very important. You mentioned the financial plan and keeping that up to date and being able to adjust and kind of deal with what's happening right now is important too. And I think that having a financial plan really helps to put both people on the same page when it comes to their money. Well, yeah, financial plan, not just to be kind of a one and done type situation, you need to have it updated on a regular basis because, you know, with time, your career changes, your stage in retirement, your health considerations, all of these things will will change, right? And so I think having a financial plan is really important so that spouses can see the result on paper. And I've said this before, you know, I've had a a client once say that his blood pressure was going down as we were talking because he knew that he had enough for retirement. (laughs) And, you know, the wife was pushing him to retire and he just wasn't ready yet, you know? So I, I run into that situation as well. So to show people on paper, Yes, you can retire and uh, you can pull the plug when you want to, but also just make sure that we have a plan for cash flow and things like that. So when people see it, they feel more comfortable. And I think that really helps that conversation again with the two spouses. Do you see it the other way around uh, where people maybe are spending too much and there's only a couple of ways to solve that? Either you 
make more money, you can go out and find a, a job or a part-time job, or you reduce your spending. And some people don't want to reduce spending particularly. No, they don't. And, and so we will always have that conversation. So if we do see, for example, a shortfall in a financial plan, or we, we know that people want to travel more, it's just it's, it's in them in, for retirement, it's part of their dream, then, you know, the advice will be. So either you have to reduce spending or you need to have some income coming in. And we often see people not retire fully. We see a lot of people go on to contract or semi-retire, that sort of idea. It is difficult for a lot of people just to go from, you know, working 40, 50 hours a week to not working at all, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people like keeping busy, keeping their mind alert. And a lot of people are passionate about what they were doing during their career. So going back and doing some contract work, getting paid for speaking engagements, that kind of thing. All of that would be icing on the cake. And so if you can have some sort of income, if you're finding there's a shortfall in your cash flow planning during retirement, then yeah, we'll, we'll always give that advice. Um, you know, I never want to make it sound too good to be true and everyone can just retire tomorrow. We want to take a look at your unique situation and advise accordingly. Yeah, and I think that's really, at least for me, that's been the, the great part about having you as a financial planner, financial advisor, portfolio manager, because you really do make it simple to understand, but you also make it clear having the experience of dealing with the, the future and understanding where people need to be in 20 years, whereas I don't have a clue. You have retired, as you like to say, hundreds of times yes. <laughs> with with various people. <laughs> but you have the ability to know, okay, this is probably what you're going to need 20 years from now or 25 years from now. Yeah. And, and also just uh, this is how people behave in different stages in life and what their needs will be. Right. And so, again, that's having that experience because a lot of um, financial plans will you know, take a look at your income requirements, say you need this till the end of your days, you know, till you're 95 or 100 years old. And I'm going, okay, well, I've got clients in 80s and 90s, and I don't see anybody spending 60 to 100,000 a year. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, yes, there's retirement homes are needed and so on. But again, people sell the home they live in often to move into a senior care residence, you know, not just from the financial planning kind of point of view, but looking at the stages of life and that people go through, I, I want to make sure it's relevant yet conservative. And the stages of life is uh, something that we have discussed in the past and will in the future, because it does change, you know, decade to decade, how people spend money and, and how much they need. And speaking of planning for the future, I know that talking about what will happen when one or the other or both spouses pass away, that can be a tough conversation to have. So what things should partners be discussing when it comes to legacy planning? I often say that a couple doesn't necessarily want to talk about death either. I mean, portfolios is one thing, you know, that's kind of fun. You're making money. But in terms of estate planning, definitely this is one uh, that can kind of be similar to planning for a dentist appointment. Nobody really loves going to the dentist, but you got to do it. You know what I mean? And so legacy planning is very, very important though. And it's it's important that you're on the same page. So you need to talk about, okay, so if there's a certain amount left at the end of your days, what is the plan? So again, having an updated will is very important and the power of attorney, which we've talked about at length, but some important questions to ask each other, even before you get to that stage, if you're going to go update your will is, you know, how do we want to distribute our assets and to, to whom, you know, your children are, are obvious ones, but a lot of people don't have children. 
So, you know, we have those conversations. And so if it's charity, which charities and, and how much? And you want to take a look at percentages that you want to leave to each person or each charity and not dollar amounts. I, I'll put that in there. Has anything changed recently that requires us to update our will? So a lot of people do have a will, but say things have changed. They have grandchildren is a big one. They want to actually put money aside for future grandchildren. And what happens if one of us becomes critically ill? So again, having that conversation and about what your plans are and how you want things to be handled is also a very important topic for discussion. This probably falls into, you know, burial plans, but also having a conversation about what the other spouse wants when they do pass on, what kind of ceremony, whether it be a remembrance thing or whether they want a full-on funeral service. I mean, those things, as you say, they don't come up around the dinner table all that often, but it's nice to know what the other person is thinking about. You know, we deal with a few good wills and estate lawyers. And, and as you know, we've spoken to Rose. Hopefully those conversations are happening around that kind of planning. Or again, I often bring things up. And you also want to talk about how you would want to be cared if you were in an end of life type situation. And so that conversation, because you may not be able to have that conversation if that time actually comes, right? And I've been involved very closely with families when they're going through these types of life-changing events, and maybe there wasn't that topic of discussion. But we're often encouraging it because we often deal with families in multi-generations, right? We're dealing with the parents who are, you know, 80s and 90s, and we're dealing with the adult children, and then we're even dealing with the grandchildren. Again, encouraging these kind of family discussions, I think, is extremely important. And a good financial advisor would bring that up. And I think if you're not getting the advice from your advisor, portfolio manager about not just your portfolio, this is much bigger than that. When we're taking care of people's wealth and helping their families, it's not just about managing money day to day. This involves cash flow and spending and estate planning and all of those sorts of things to ensure that your wealth is passed from one generation to the next and that you have enough to last you your lifetime as well. And just from a strictly a practical matter and to make it easy for the person that you have designated to look after your estate when you pass is to tell them where all the documents are. Are they in a safety deposit box? Are they in a file in the office uh, in your home? Have you thrown them in a cardboard box and chucked them uh, into the basement? Because it can be hellish trying to figure out someone's estate. And especially these days with computers and multiple passwords, it's, ugh, you've got to take care to make sure that that stuff is written down for the executor of your estate or else it can be really a trial. It can be mind-blowing how much work it is. I mean, you almost have to move into someone's house to understand where all their mail is coming from. Yeah. But you're right with online statements now and things like that. So there's actually a booklet that we have that is either in online kind of format or it's actual book you can write in and you can write in all your account numbers mm -hmm. and where your money is and all that kind of stuff where your will is located, and uh, you can put it a, in a safety deposit box. And, and the idea with this booklet is, is that it's everything you want your executor to know, but not until you're gone. Right. And so this is exactly what you're referring to. And so something like that, having that, especially uh, also not just under the mattress, right? Just in case there's ever a break-in, it's a lot of important information. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. But again, keeping it with a, an advisor, keeping it with a lawyer, uh, keeping a safety deposit box, uh, it just makes it 
a much more smooth transition for when you turn into an angel, that things run smoothly and the family's able to get all the information they need to deal with your estate. Talk about how a financial advisor can help people in uh, doing an estate plan and engaging the right kind of experts and, and other people involved to make sure that the wishes of one spouse or another are fulfilled and taken care of. And a good financial advisor is having these conversations. So not just with estate planning, but also in terms of portfolio management, right? As we were talking earlier, even about having two spouses have different risk tolerance, making sure that the advisor understands that. And we even create portfolios with different risk tolerance for the different spouses because one may not want to see flux, you know, things fluctuate too much. The other yeah. uh, may want higher returns. So we make sure that when we're preparing their portfolios and managing them, that they are managed in accordance with that person's particular risk tolerance. In terms of estate planning, again, you want to make sure that a financial advisor is asking the right questions, right? Getting you thinking, getting you guys talking. And couples vary with communication. I mean, some couples love to talk about everything and other couples really do not like to talk about finances and things like that. And so I'm used to dealing with both. So I know kind of the way to handle those conversations, make them more light, even though they're very serious topics. It's part of what I do every day is to have uh, conversations about important things and whether that's money, whether that's estate planning. And uh, again, I deal with a lot of other professionals who are incredible at what they do in terms of will and estate planning or accountants that are out there. And so we're able to have the professionals talking, all of us together, yeah. about your situation when needed, right? And so I think that's important that you have a financial advisor that's going the extra mile. Because again, like I said, this isn't about managing money day to day only. We do that. That's a given. It is much more than that. And you need to have a relationship with an advisor, with a team that is able to take care of everything to do with your finances and at least point you in the right direction and answer questions that you may have and encourage conversation between you and your spouse as well as your family as you go through different stages of retirement. Always excellent advice from Lori Pinkowski. Now, before we uh, wrap this up, we usually like to have a quote that kind of sums up what we've been talking about. So what kind of quote have you found for us this week? The quote I have today is, don't fight about money, because after you've said mean things to each other, the amount of money in the bank will be the same. Excellent advice and the truth. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> Thanks so much, John. I look forward to uh, talking to you again in a couple weeks from now. As do I. And that is it for this week. If you are interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.